1: Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now, and you can check it out on zippybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zippyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Anna Klutz is the author of My Own Magic, A Reappearing Act. Anna is a New York Times bestselling author who always dreamed of being a Disney princess. Her writing candidly reflects on her travels, relationships, failures, and fantasies, and it may inspire you to move to Paris like she did. Anna can usually be found writing and sipping champagne on a cafe terrace, rain or shine. And she is always on the hunt for a warm baguette, a cheap flight, a vintage dress, or a beautiful moment to snap a shot of. She is currently working on adapting Live Your Life, the memoir she wrote with her sister, into a screenplay. And by the way, her sister was also on my podcast, Amanda Clutes, so you could listen to that episode as well. You can keep up with all her latest adventures on Instagram at Anna Klutz. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss my own magic, a reappearing act. Love that. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I I actually had your sister on this podcast. Did you know that? No, I didn't. How wonderful. Yes, that was fun. Loved hearing your view of some of the events that I talked about with her in your book and I don't know, behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. Would you mind telling listeners what your memoir is about? Sure.
0: Um, It is basically about a 10-year period, kind of those pivotal years in your 20s where you're figuring out who you are and, you know, what you really want and how I sort of got lost in the midst of all of that in a relationship that just wasn't the right one for me. And when that ended, I was sort of left at ground zero again at 30 and of course like anyone would thought that my life was over but actually it was just getting started and it's about how i picked up those pieces and kind of refound what made me powerful and strong
1: and and use that as fuel to go build my dream life so amazing i love it so inspiring i also got divorced after a 12 year relationship and now i'm remarried and you know i wrote about that as well, but I, I related so deeply to your experience and some of those feelings and the aftermath and just all of it. So anyway, loved reading all these stories where like we have second acts, third acts, you know, whatever it is. So it's great. Exactly.
0: It should like, life is like that. We are never, uh, we should always be growing and evolving and reinventing. And, you know, when we hit a pitfall or we hit something that feels like the end, we have to look at that as like, maybe this is just a new beginning. Exactly. And what am I getting out of it? And um, that's what I did. And that's what I think a lot of people do. And we need to share that more so that when you are at the bottom moment, you realize there's hope and you're not alone in those feelings.
1: Yes, so true. So your own magic, the man you were involved with, was a magician and you told us all about what that was like and, um, being a magician's assistant and how you know all the tricks, but you're not going to tell us and all of that. So thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that taunting, you know, dangling that and snatching it away. I'm going to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: real, this magician's code. And uh, (laughs) we don't, don't want to be the one to break it.
1: So talk a little more about how you got into the relationship and how you decided to go on this wild ride following him around to all the magic shows all over the world and all of the travels and sort of what that part of your life was like and what it felt like to almost become like subsumed into somebody else's whole world, if you will, and sort of lose yourself a little bit in that
0: Yeah, absolutely that. I mean, I I met my ex-husband when I was 19. And I had just moved to New York and was starting school. And I kind of had a lot of ideas about what I wanted to do and what I thought I could do. And then I met someone who I just became enamored with. And he was a bit older than me. So he already had a lot of his life set up and already had a, you know, had a job and and had a lifestyle that wasn't very malleable because of the, the nature of it. And so I became the malleable one. I started to shape myself into the exact type of companion I thought required for his life and I started, you know, compromising and giving up a lot of pieces of myself that I didn't realize how crucial they were to who I am until I was too far gone to get them back. And you know, I eventually reached a point where I didn't even recognize myself and I I kind of realized I was extremely isolated and I I had nothing but him in this world we had together, but I had very little control over any aspect of of my own life because my world was coexisting within someone else's. Uh, And that really began to to bother me and and make me very deeply unhappy, uh, despite me kind of always wearing these road-colored glasses and always trying to find the beauty in it and find the joy in it because because there was and and that's the nature of life. Nothing is ever all bad or all wonderful. It's there's so many shades of gray. And so while it was a very difficult and troubling time in many ways, in other ways, I was rapidly growing and discovering things I was passionate about and having these unusual wild experiences that I could have never even dreamed I would have had. So I look back on it both like very fondly, and you know, with a bit of pain in retrospect. But as I say in my book, I I wouldn't change anything about anything that happened or any choice I made. I certainly never thought I would become a magician's assistant. <laughs> 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 I think that's the crazy beauty of life. Is it? You know, it throws us these these curveballs, and if we take these crazy chances, sometimes they work out beautifully. Sometimes we crash and burn. But it's all about you know what did we learn and what did, where did that take us and and what experiences did we gain from that experience to go then okay what do i what do i want to do with
1: these ashes i now have of this thing that yes went- claims. I, I think it happens often at that age in particular, right? We're all trying to figure out who we are. So, I mean, you were so young, 19. I mean, I think about my so boyfriend young. at 19. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, it's like, we're looking around and being like, well, who am I in this big world and where am I going to fit into things? And when we see somebody who has that figured out and we can like shortcut and get, you know, almost like piggyback ride onto certainty, it's, it's tempting. And so I think a lot of women in particular find guys who just have the sense that it's all figured out, which of course they might or might not, but it doesn't actually get you where you're going. Like the shortcut doesn't work. It gets you to someone else's, like you were saying with this Bokers, it's like you, you jump on, but then you end up on the wrong dock when you land, you know what I mean? So you have to like get back on and then you feel like a failure. And anyway, I'll stop. But, <laughs> but I think, it, I think it's tempting to latch on to certainty, not even just at this young age, but for some people who aren't, don't have that sort of inner sense of self, which hardly anybody has at age nineteen. So it is. And and you give away things
0: before, like I said, before you realize how important they are to you. You're very willing to go, Okay, well, sure, I'll I'll trade that away. Yeah. And that can be very troubling because then to get those pieces of yourself back sometimes is a lot of work and, and really hard. And and maybe there's parts of it, you'll actually never fully recover. And it, you know, it can be a very troubling time to get to a point where you realize I actually don't know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. And my marriage ended. I, I remember being like, I don't even know what I want to do. I had lost my home, my husband and my job in one day. And I was like, where do i want to live what do i want to do who am i without this person because i've built my whole life around them and and now i just felt like nothing and i felt like i wasn't capable of doing anything on my own so it really took some work to sort of remind myself who i was before this relationship and that i was actually capable of a lot and you know kind of gain a lot of that confidence back to sort of say, I'm going to be just fine. In fact, maybe I'm actually going to be even better And then that became really powerful. Well, like, look
1: who's laughing now. I mean, like look what you've done. You have this like massive following. You have a book. I mean, it's like amazing, you know, and it never, would. who knows where it would have gone. Yeah,
0: no, that's what's crazy is we, we make these choices young because there's this pressure to like, you have to know what you're going to do. You're, you know, especially as a woman, like I remember when I was getting married at 25, all my girlfriends were like, you're so lucky you have it all figured out. You already met your person, you know, and then cut to, I'm going through a divorce as they're all getting engaged. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm back at square one and that is so life. Like you can, but you're still so young. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I was so grateful. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm 30. This is fine. But you know, so many ages are still so young. I don't know why we feel like we have to have our job figured out by this age or our husband figured out by this age or our home bought by this age it's who has decided this it puts yes. pressure on us to make these choices before we actually know what we want and who we are and so we choose things because we feel like to not have a choice makes us look weak or all over the place or unsettled and we jump in too soon yes and then it's too hard then to create the life you want because you've created a life that you were complacent with because
1: you felt the need to make these choices. So true. So true. I mean, I got married at 28 and I felt like it was late because I had had a few friends who already had were married. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm already 28. And then I had twins by the time I was 30. And now like, I work with so many younger women. I'm like, God, I was like a baby when I had those kids. <laughs> But I felt old. So anyway, it's all about perspective, I guess, which your book really, really highlights.
0: You have to normalize this, like finding your partner in your 40s or your 50s. Who cares when it happens? Yeah, I've actually started to like embrace, when you look back, this alone time you have is actually so small mm-hmm. and it's sacred. Like it's it's beautiful. And I almost think like, why are we rushing into making all these choices when these moments we have where we're just kind of, lost and free and trying to figure it out in retrospect are so beautiful like if you're in that moment just try as hard as you can to soak it up because there will be a day when you miss that feeling of like endless possibility of what is who am i going to meet what things could happen to me where will i end up it's in some ways so fun and and exciting if you can just get over that fear of like i'll never i'll never you will yeah. Yeah. So just enjoy the free fall while you
1: have it because it's it can be beautiful. You should put that on a t shirt. Like, you will hashtag in your 20s. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this whole thing keeps reminding me of, and maybe you don't even remember this movie, but there's a movie with Julia Roberts called Runaway Bride. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. Big time. And I love that because you see her with all these different relationships. And with every guy she's with, she orders her eggs at the diner the way he orders his eggs. So, first she's having like sunny side up and then scrambled and da da da. And it's not till the end when she's like, wait a minute, I can order eggs however I want them. And she finally realizes, like, okay, I like my eggs this way. And she can like be with the guy who doesn't mind that she orders eggs the way she wants them. I don't know. The profound takeaways of a Julia Roberts movie. No,
0: that's just all detail and nuance of that movie, but we all do that so often in relationships. We, we mold into the person we're with, mm-hmm. or we make choices we think they want, or we, you know, and the little compromises like, yeah, like your breakfast, but at the same time, like, is it that small? Like Mm -hmm. give up so many little things like this. When you compromise so many little of your own preferences away, it adds up and it takes a lot of who you are away. So I mean, post my relationship failing, I was back at, you know, ground zero and really started to figure out what do I enjoy? What do I love? And, And as I leaned into those things, then I really realized like, which of those are sacred and I can never compromise that thing away again. Mm -hmm. And some things I can, and other things I'm like, (laughs) I (laughs) don't know. Things that makes me me. And I cannot give this away for any reason under any circumstances, because I know what will happen to my soul if I do.
1: plushcare.com slash weightloss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests, even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life. There are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy dot com slash moms don't have time and then when you did lose everything then you had to confront something even worse because then it was covid and your sister lost her husband and it was a very public way and not that it made it worse that it was a public way but it was like so horrific her loss and you're having to support her and the whole situation talk about that a little bit if you don't mind
0: Well, you know, what was crazy is I had uh, that year started and, you know, I was like, all right. I think so many people went into 2020 being like 2020. You're like, Paris, here I come. (laughs) I moved. I finally moved out of my apartment with my ex-husband. I moved to Paris. I started building this dream life. I was so happy. I was on cloud 11 and uh, it all crashed down and the whole world shut down. And I first was just like... So miserable and just mourning the loss of this life I had built. I had to come back to the US because. You know, it was just too much uncertainty, and I didn't have anything established in France yet, and so I came back to the U.S. and
1: was just moping. But you also had like a thousand canceled flights, and as I'm reading, I'm like, "Is she going to get back? How is yeah. she going to get out of France?" It sounded so awful. Oh my god!
0: It was very scary there for a second, and then I came back, and and my brother-in-law got sick very quickly after that, and then that sort of just put everything in just perspective right away of like, okay, I don't need to keep whining about the fact that my, my new life I built is on hold. Like this is obviously way more important. And I had moved to France in a way I talk about in my book. I kind of put the distance between me and everyone I cared about on purpose mm-hmm. because it's kind of always been my nature. I think also just growing up in a big family to just constantly be thinking about my siblings and and my parents and the people I love. And when my husband left, I really substituted them uh, was like fillers. Like I just filled my time with them and I served them and helped them and took care of their babies and helped my parents set up their new apartment. And then it, it gave me purpose and it gave me distractions something to do. And so I moved to France, like I'm going to be selfish now. Like I'm not helping anybody anymore. I'm focusing on me. I think this is what I need. And then I end up in a situation where I am I literally don't have a second to myself for three months and it healed me in the weirdest way and as much as that whole experience was so painful and so difficult and i felt incapable of holding someone else up when i was quite honestly a complete mess myself still mm-hmm. um to witness this this crazy outpour of love and kindness and generosity and to become a part of this community that was just so giving and and to see how when you're serving and and giving to the right people you actually end up completely full you don't end up depleted and it was this beautiful moment that i realized i don't need to be selfish to make my dreams come true i don't i don't need to be selfish to be happy and take care of myself if i give my time and energy to people who truly love me, you end up completely filled and whole and healed. And, you know, obviously I wish that had all played out differently, but the lasting effects of that are just incredible. The the community of people that I still am in touch with that are still in my sister's lives, the amazing, you know, outpour of love, like that changed me, my brother and my sister, my whole family immensely and deeply and forever. And that's, you know, the silver lining of what was a very tragic and awful thing to happen. But in
1: the weirdest way, it was so beautiful. Oh, I'm so sorry you lived through that. I lost a loved one to COVID during that time too. And I feel like so many people were like, oh, well, it's, you know, we're fine. You know, it's going to all be fine. And it's like not fine. It wasn't fine. And anyway, I'm glad that there is always some sort of thing you learn from like every loss or every, you know, that sounds so trite. but anyway. I'm, I'm glad that the community that rallied around you has, they still uplift you. I was talking to a girlfriend on email last night. She would actually forwarded me when you were looking for a venue. You know, she's like, did you see this story that, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm interviewing her tomorrow. But she's like, ever since COVID times, she's like, I follow Anna and Amanda and everything they do. Like I'm rooting for them every step. I'm like, so you really do have this huge fan base and you know, it's amazing. So.
0: No, it's it's amazing how people can connect through mm-hmm. You know, people say good and bad things about social media, but to me, I have always just found it this beautiful, amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And I talk about in my book, I didn't have a network in a community at the time I started my Instagram in 2015. I was very isolated. I was only with my ex-husband all the time. And Instagram became this world that I could connect with people all over the world. And I found this like online network Mm -hmm. and it saved me in many ways because I was very isolated, like the only woman in the room most of the time, Um, the only non-magician in the room. And suddenly I could gain co-workers and you know peers doing what I was trying to do online and then I ended up meeting a lot of these people a lot of them are now some of my dearest friends I think you know when when used properly it is it's it's amazing what we have at
1: our fingertips I agree so true so what's happened since the end of you writing the book and now like give us the you know the update the postscript.
0: <laughs> the postscript well i ended it in a i ended it where i did on purpose obviously when i started writing this book it was 3 years ago so a lot of what that initial outline when you write a book was you know kind of ended right there a lot of life happened after that and i was wondering if it should be included or not and i very quickly decided it it shouldn't be that that story ended right where it ended and then hopefully be my next book is my first year of living in France. So, since where that book ends is the summer of 2020. And then I start actually living here. And in that amount of time, I've now it's been two years. I have rented and renovated an apartment here. I have been through what I say like the honeymoon stage of moving to Paris, which is pretty much the first year where you're just like, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, year two, which Quite honestly, is hell like absolute? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what is going on? What am I? Why did I do this? Why is everything so complicated? And then I think when you survive that and you <laughs> choose to stay, you know, when it's easy to love Paris, it's easy to visit and fall in love and go, oh, I want to live here. If you can survive year two. And you you still want to live here when, when you know the real Paris and the real struggles and the real complications of living a life abroad, and you still choose it anyway, then that's when year three, (laughs) I'm in right now becomes fun because you're, you're comfortable, you know, the ropes now, the learning curve is never ending, to be honest, but it's most, you know, you're not at the start of it. And the city starts to really feel like yours you know there's there's a beauty to knowing that darker complicated side of things and accepting it and loving it and so it's been a wild ride i met my boyfriend who was my upstairs neighbor uh <laughs> before emily and paris came out <laughs> <laughs> So I, um, I have a wonderful, very, very French boyfriend that is hilarious and, and very sweet. And I've started the project of my working on the first book that I co-wrote with my sister, adapting that into a screenplay, which has been amazing to have all these new tools. You know, when you're writing a book, which is the only kind of writing I've ever done, you just have your words. But when you're writing a screenplay, you get to play with music and scenes and moments and shots. And it's, it's been really challenging, but really interesting to sort of go into a whole different world of writing.
1: Wow. That's so great. That's amazing. Is that scheduled to come out at a certain time or do you have, are you starring in it? (laughs) You know, it's funny as I said Demanda from
0: day one, I was like, I would like the opportunity to audition for the role of (laughs) my... (laughs) <laughs> and she was like you're not an actress and I was like um our middle school was a magnet school for the performing arts yeah and, and I wasn't a writer before this project either <laughs> and uh, um, so I mean no is, is <laughs> but we have said uh, much like I love Alfred Hitchcock and I was like we should just have a Hitchcock moment we should be a random extra a random neighbor you know we should we should put ourselves in this for a second so we have some ideas but it's a timeline you know just like this book that i thought would be done in a year you know these projects take time and they take finding the right people and the right collaborators so we've been working on it for about a year and a half we're finally now like in the new phase of we have a finished screenplay and we're shopping it out there and seeing what feedback we get so fingers crossed the feedback is
1: good <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you can tell them at least you've had, you know, decades of rehearsal for this role. So,
0: exactly. like, <laughs> I look the part. I'm yeah. the right. <laughs> I know all the lines.
1: <laughs> I, like, I wrote the lines. I think I could do this. <laughs> uh, they're going to be like, sorry, we need someone younger who's <laughs> 19 years old. Sorry.
0: I have the right look. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How did you get around the legal issues of writing about? your ex-husband, he's okay with this? Or how did that go down?
0: Um, You know, I did actually send the entire book to him to look at, but the point of this book, and I hope is no one's takeaway. It's not to say anything bad about anyone. It's, it's my story. And the only, you know, there are other people who have to be in it because they were there and it's impossible to not, you know, talk about a person who ends up being the, you know, the reason that a lot of these moments happened to me or the reason that I have a lot of these discoveries, but you know, it, it's not, but in any means about him, you know, it, it's, it's about me. Mm-hmm. And so that is what the story is. And it was not ever the intent to, you know, make anyone look bad. Cause I, I don't think of, of him in that way at all. Um, You know, there's truly nothing that, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I think, our, we both gave everything we possibly could to make our marriage work. And I really don't have any negative feelings at all. It's, it's very, it's a very neutral thing in my head. I, I look back in and really am just grateful that it happened, that the positive takeaways happened, that the lessons were learned, and that I'm where I am now.
1: Amazing. Anything else on your wish list of things you want to accomplish before you're... 50 or something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no, uh, <laughs> I have no ex- exact, uh, before I'm this, but <laughs> my book, I'm constantly making bucket lists and um, they're almost like vision boards actually, but they're like written ones. I, I love traveling as I'm sure you can tell. And I love history and I really want to, I started, it's on my bucket list for this year. I right? must do. I would love to have a travel show. I would love to have A, you know, something where I'm traveling and kind of telling people why these places are amazing and special and, you know, simplifying history and making it easier to digest and and more relatable um, and, you know, helping people experience things that they might otherwise never even think were interesting because that was my life. So many of these places I went and I either didn't know existed Like when I went to Albania and I had to look where that was on a map because I didn't know, (laughs) or there were places I just never would have thought that I would enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's, we have such a massive world out there and there's so many incredible things to see. So to be able to share that would be my absolute dream.
1: I'm sure you could pull that off. I have total faith. I have total faith in you, (laughs) and to get a dog, but that's that's far easier to achieve. But actually, I feel like those are not compatible.
0: Those two, no, exactly. (laughs) I'm like I'm holding off the dog while I try to do all these other things to never be at home. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for really sharing all of these emotions in my own magic. I wish I had had this book when I was like 19 and starting with my life, and I feel like women like me in their forties, fifties up, whatever. I think it's great to know that at any point in our lives, we can always change course and, you know, reclaim who we are and live fully.
0: That's exactly what I hope the takeaway is. So, so beautifully said. Okay.
1: All right. All right. Thanks so much. And good luck with your event. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.